Well, let me welcome you to Stevenson High Kirk here in North Ayrshire. I'm the Reverend Scott Cameron, and it's just lovely to join you once again for our online morning devotions. Well, this morning is going to be slightly different. We're going down memory lane. On Thursday, the 14th of February 2002, I was inducted and ordained to the Ministry of Word and Sacrament here at Stevenson High Kirk. Well, it was a very special night, and I can still remember it fondly. We had the Reverend Colin Sutherland, Reverend Sandy McCallum, Reverend Stephen Smith and the late Reverend David Broster. And so this morning we're going to be including parts of that service in our devotions. Well, I would love you to join with me as we give thanks to God for his faithfulness and for his blessings. And as we worship this morning, we're going to be joined by some other friends too, Aileen Gilchrist and Ruth Campbell. And so let's begin our worship as we sing, How Lovely Is Thy Dwelling Place.
Now let us pray. God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, you call us in your mercy. You sustain us by your power through every generation. Your wisdom supplies our needs. You sent your only Son, Jesus Christ, to be the apostle and high priest of our faith and the shepherd of our souls. By his death, he has overcome death. And having ascended into heaven, has poured out his spirit, making some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip all for the work of ministry, and to build up his body, the church. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon this your servant, Scott, whom we now in your name and in obedience to your will, by the laying on of hands, ordain and appoint to the office of the Holy Ministry within the one holy Catholic and apostolic church, committing to him authority to minister your word and sacrament and to share in the government of your church. Increase in this your servant the gift of your grace, that he may serve the ministry of Christ and become more and more fitted to the work which you have called him to undertake. As he listens with all God's people for the living word in scripture and sacrament, may he joyously point to the source of their faith and gather them round the table of our Lord. Standing with them under judgment, may he recall them to the purity of life in Christ. May Scott Cameron be for us all a source of strength and encouragement that with him we may share in the ministry of Christ, bringing reconciliation to those who are divided, peace and healing to those who are broken, justice to those who are oppressed, and hope to those who are lost. Receive these our prayers for him whose calling is to pray for all, and with all your faithful servants, bring him at the last, into your eternal joy through Christ who died for us, rose again and lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We just say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, power and the glory forever. Amen. Here the word of God <clears throat> proclaimed firstly in the Old Testament, in the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 61. 
beginning at the first verse. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Aliens will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations and in their riches you will boast. Instead of their shame, my people will receive a double portion and instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance. And so they will inherit a double portion in their land, and everlasting joy will be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and iniquity. In my faithfulness, I will reward them and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the young plant come up, and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the Sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. And our second lesson comes from the Gospel according to St. Matthew the 28th chapter, beginning at the 16th verse. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. May God bless the reading of his word to his name, be praise and glory now and forevermore. Amen.
as Jesus prepared to leave his disciples and to ascend up into heaven, he gave his disciples one final command. Jesus said, Go. And they went, and in their going, the world was forever changed. All corners of the earth would be reached by their travels. All people of every nation would be touched by their coming. Even the calendar used today by most of the world sets its start date on the life, death and resurrection of this man called the Christ. But as the church moves through the 21st century, we find ourselves facing declining church attendance, a growing lack of commitment to Sunday school, families and children drawn away from the community of faith by television, video games, shopping and sports. There is biblical illiteracy and a lack of Christ-centeredness. And I'm inclined to ask in the midst of all this, in all our living, have we somehow and somehow forgotten why we have been sent by Christ in the first place? Forgotten what it is we are supposed to be doing in the midst of all our lives. Now it's not that the church as a church we have stopped living or stopped doing. We fill our churches with activities. Our calendars are filled with events and meetings, especially meetings. We are working as hard as we ever have, but in the midst of all our comings and goings, have we forgotten something? How often in this life are we faced with choices? Does it matter which road we take? I heard the story of a doctor who came to the split in a road in a country lane. The sign at the fork of the road pointed in both directions with the name of the same town. Seeing the usual farmer beside the road, he asked him, does it matter which road I take to get to the town? And the farmer replies, not to me it don't. For those who are watching the comings and goings of the church, it may not matter to them which way we are going, or whether or not we make it to our destination, or whether or not we accomplish what we have sent, been sent to do. But it does matter to the one who sent us, to the one who went before us into death, that we might go before him into life. We must remember why it is that Christ sent us. If we are to have the impact upon the world in this new century, as the disciples had in the first century, and what better way to remind ourselves why we have been sent into the world than by understanding why it was that God sent Christ. For in understanding the mission of Jesus, we come to understand our mission as Christ's disciples. From the prophet Isaiah, we read, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me, 
to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners. These are the words that Jesus would quote in the synagogue in Nazareth when he declared to all those who were gathered, while you heard these words just now, they were coming true. Empowered by the Spirit to tell good news. Isaiah 61 is God's mission orders to Jesus. We know this because it says so. The Spirit of the Lord, the Sovereign Lord, is on me because the Lord has anointed me to tell good news to the poor. To tell good news to the poor. And who are the poor? Jesus, in the Sermon of the, in the Mount, said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The poor are those who long for the Spirit of God. The poor are those who see their faults ever before them and long for forgiveness. The poor are those who know they are in need of God if they are ever to be healed. It is the lights of these that Christ was sent from heaven above and to bring them good news. But what of the good news for today? And what good news does Christ have for we who know we are poor? There are three sections in the message of good news presented in Isaiah 61. Each section is introduced through the statement, He has sent me. The first section of the good news follows, He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Jesus Christ is here, right now in the present, to comfort our hearts broken by the consequences of living in a world that is less than perfect. To tell us we have been freed from the bondage of sin. To tell us we have been released from the prison of our iniquity. Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. It was to hear, it was to us, that Jesus was sent to remind us that he knew no sin, and it was for us that his body was broken, broken for you and me, that his blood was shed for the forgiveness of sins, that he became the Passover lamb. There is no darkness you could face that is deeper or darker than that which he faced for you. There is no sin you have committed that his blood cannot wash clean. Good news sent from heaven above, delivered to us by the Son of God himself. But we need to remind ourselves that something is usually considered good news because it's an answer to some pretty bad news. There is the good news of Judgment Day. One man dies and goes to heaven. 
St. Peter meets him and asks, Have you ever done anything bad that should keep you out of heaven? The man replies, Well, I once had some questionable real estate dealings, but you can't hold back against me because it was never proven to be illegal. And I once was unfaithful to my wife, but you can't hold back against me because it was never shown to be a sexual relationship. And I once lied while giving evidence in court, but you can't hold back against me because it was never shown to be perjury. To this statement, St. Peter replied, Well, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to send you to a really hot place, but let's not call it hell. You'll stay there for a long time, but let's not call it eternity. And I don't want you to give up all hope, but I wouldn't recommend you try holding your breath, waiting for the place to freeze over. And so through the prophet Isaiah, Jesus says in this second section, section of the good news that he has sent to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God, the day of judgment, when all wrongs will be righted, when all evil will be judged, when all good will be rewarded. For those who are of the household of faith, this announcement of the coming of God's day of judgment is good news. For it is the end of the rage of sin, the end of all suffering, all pain, all darkness. And we who hold on to the Christ by faith, who have never had our sins forgiven, will have them forgiven then who have been washed clean by the blood of the Lamb, who have received the infilling of God's Holy Spirit, have been given the good news found in the third section of the 61st chapter of Isaiah. He has sent me to comfort all who mourn, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. The good news for those who trust in Christ is this. Those of us who are tired, we will receive rest. Who are suffering, we will receive comfort. Who are in despair, we will finally receive our hope. Jesus Christ. But what is this good news? But now that we have heard Isaiah 61, the question is, what is the good news that Jesus brought to us from heaven? The book of Revelation, God is speaking through the Apostle John to seven churches in Asia Minor. And in chapter 2, he has this to say, to the church at Ephesus. I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name, 
and have not grown weary, yet I hold this against you, you have forsaken your first love. Our first love, the first and greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. To love this God as revealed to us in the man Jesus Christ, who is the word of God made into human flesh, who is the bread of heaven broken for our iniquities, who is the cup of salvation poured out for our transgression. The good news of God is God, the one sent down from heaven called Emmanuel. And so God's closing words to the church in Ephesus as they face the approaching second century are also God's word to us as we face the 21st century. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did first. Jesus Christ raised us up to the heights of heaven to behold the face of God. Let us remember where we've been and therefore repent. Turn back. Return to the one who is our first love. Tonight we are witnesses of a new start, a new beginning and a new ministry for this church. Scott, you have been called by this congregation to be their minister. Tonight you will be ordained and adopted to this charge, not just because this congregation has called you, because he has sent you, because you have been chosen by God to bring the good news to his people here in this place. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Yes, ye walk this earth, can't love and loss, can tears and mirth, tear and cross, free humble birth, ye mind and understand, ye Team.
of the Lord Jesus Christ, the King and Head of the Church, who being ascended on high has given gifts for the edifying of the body of Christ. We are met as a presbytery to ordain Martin Scott Cameron to the office of the Holy Ministry by prayer and the laying on of hands by the presbyters to whom it belongs and to induct him into the pastoral charge of Stevenson High. In this act, the Church of Scotland is part of the Holy Catholic or Universal Church, worshipping one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, affirms anew its belief in the gospel of the sovereign grace and love of God, wherein through Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, incarnate, crucified, and risen, he freely offers to all people upon repentance and faith the forgiveness of sin. 
renewal by the Holy Spirit and eternal life, and calls them to labor in the fellowship of faith for the advancement of the kingdom of God throughout the world. The Church of Scotland acknowledges the word of God which is contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be the supreme rule of faith and life. The Church of Scotland holds as its subordinate standard the Westminster Confession of Faith, recognizing liberty of opinion on such points of doctrine as do not enter into the substance of the faith, and claiming the right in dependence on the promised guidance of the Holy Spirit to formulate, interpret, or modify its subordinate standards always in agreement with the Word of God and the fundamental doctrines of the Christian faith contained in the said confession, to which agreement the church itself shall be sole judge. Do you believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and do you confess anew the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? Do you believe the Word of God, which is contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testament, to be the supreme rule of faith and life? Do you believe the fundamental doctrines of the Christian faith contained in the confession of faith of this church? Do you acknowledge the Presbyterian government of this church to be agreeable to the word of God and do you promise to be subject in the Lord to this presbytery and to the general assembly of this church and to take your due part in the administration of its affairs? Do you promise to seek the unity and peace of this church, to uphold the doctrine, worship, government, and discipline thereof, and to cherish a spirit of love towards all your brothers and sisters in Christ? Are not zeal for the glory of God, love to the Lord Jesus Christ, and a desire for the salvation of all people, so far as you know your own heart, your great motive and chief inducement to enter into the office of the Holy Ministry? Do you engage in the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ to live a godly and circumspect life and faithfully diligently and cheerfully to discharge the duties of your ministry, seeking in all things the advancement of the kingdom of God. Do you accept and close with the call to be a pastor in this charge and promise through grace to study to approve yourself a faithful minister of the gospel among this people? You are now required to sign the appropriate formula as a seal to the vows you have taken. I thought it's my privilege and my deep joy to be able to say these words. I now declare you to have been ordained to the office of the Holy Ministry in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the King and Head of the Church, and by authority of this presbytery I induct you to this charge, and in token thereof we give you the right hand of fellowship, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you.
And if I may attempt the language of Eden, it will help you. Show.
And let us go from this place with the sound of God's praise still ringing in our ears, with the light of Christ in our eyes, the gospel truth on our lips. And as we go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit stay with us this night and forevermore. Mm -hmm.